0: The image for this series is a woman celebrating the festival of holy to remind us that blessing doesn't always look like what we expect. In the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us who is blessed. The blessed person is living in the assurance that I'm with God and God is with me. Even though my present circumstances might not look like it, if I'm blessed, I'm actually living in the kingdom of heaven. And that's not a delusion, it's a life with hope. Now how do I get to that life with hope? That's the question Jesus answered in Matthew 5, 1-12. Today we're looking at the sixth person Jesus says is blessed. In Matthew 5, 8, Jesus teaches this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, One of my favorite sales is buy one, get one free. And this blessing sounds to me like a great two-for-one price offer. If Jesus would have said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will be declared innocent, that would have been a great blessing. If Jesus would have said, blessed are those who see God, that's also enough. So for Jesus to say, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, that's a win-win for me. I mean, why wouldn't I want to be pure in heart and why wouldn't I want to see God? You know, some people might not want these things and I'll address that later. But I'm preaching with the baseline that I want to be pure in heart and I want to see God. Let's begin with purity. The blessed person is clean. When Jesus says pure, He does not mean intrinsically pure and uncontaminated. Pure does not mean undefiled or a virgin. Jesus is saying made pure, cleaned. This word is used for refining gold. Gold doesn't come out of the ground as pure gold. Its mind is ore, which has to be heated so that the impurities can be taken out. Purity is also not necessarily a one-time event. The articles made and used in the tabernacle and temple were first made of purified metals, gold and silver, and then before they were used, they were purified with water. The priests and Levites washed the dishes. I ran into this regularly when I took people on backpacking trips. Hikers were told to bring a canteen for water. The canteen manufacturer hopefully made a non-toxic water container, but the hiker should still take some soap and hot water to wash that canteen before using it. If I put clean water into a dirty vessel, my water's dirty. Then out on the trail after I got water from any source, I would put a purification tablet into the water because it doesn't matter if my canteen was sterilized If I'm putting contaminated water into it. In this human realm, whether I'm talking about gold, canteens, or people, purity is not intrinsic. Purity is made and maintained. And that means two things. First, everyone needs cleaning. So we're all in the same position to start. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of us have become like something unclean. All of our righteous acts are like a polluted garment. All of us wither like a leaf and our iniquities carry us away like the wind. And secondly, this also means that everyone can become pure. Titus 2:14 says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all unlawlessness and to cleanse For himself, a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. I'm going to use a graphic and maybe even offensive example here, but I think it will quickly get the point across. The two people in my example are not defiled in the same way. In fact, one has not sinned at all, and the other is a great sinner. If everyone can be purified, that means Jesus can purify the rape victim. And Jesus can purify the rapist, as well as everyone in between those two extremes. Now, this is not a self-cleansing. We've learned this, especially with COVID. In order for me to really clean something, I have to be clean myself. I don't go work on a car engine and then give my daughter a bath with my greasy hands. I don't ask someone to clean me that is themselves dirty. That's why I go to the one person who is intrinsically pure, Jesus Christ. This promise goes back to the new covenant in Ezekiel 36:25 through 26, where God says, "I will also sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give to you a heart of flesh." That promise leads us to the next point of how Jesus cleans. The cleaning is inside out. Blessed are the pure in heart. Not blessed are those who appear clean. Not blessed are those who act clean. Blessed are those whose hearts are clean. The word heart is literally the blood pumping organ inside my chest. Just with that meaning, there's the idea of something inside that gives life to the rest. But just like today, in Jesus' time, there was a symbolic idea of the heart being the center of my emotional being. The core of who I am comes from my heart. Jesus and the law both said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. That's why the promise of the new covenant is a promise of a renewed or cleaned heart, because nothing will change in God's people until a change is made at the core of who they are. In the same way, I'm not really purified until Jesus cleans my inner self. I could take a shower and use antibacterial soap and then spray myself with sanitizer. All my clothing can be washed in bleach, But if I still have active COVID-19 virus inside my lungs, then I'm still infected and infectious. Inner cleaning is important. I don't know if you remember the old TV show, The Outer Limits. It had an episode where scientists were trying to unite the world so there wouldn't be a world war that would destroy humanity. They felt the only way to unite all of humanity was there to be a common enemy like an alien from outer space. So one of the scientists was chosen to undergo surgeries and experiments to make his body completely alien. Then he would be released into the world and unite humanity against him. Of course, being science fiction, things didn't go as planned. One of the problems was, although his, the scientist looked alien, in the core of his being, he was still human. He wasn't inwardly changed. I'm not saying that outward change isn't important. What I do, what I say is absolutely important. But those things are a reflection of who I am on the inside. Jesus said in Luke 6, 45, A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks the overflow of his heart. If I treat my faith as a list of behaviors that God merely wants me to do or a way that God wants me to appear, I've missed the work that Jesus actually wants to do in my life. But if I allow Jesus to clean my heart, then the actions will follow because I'm a new person. The result of being that new person is the cleaning transforms perception. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All throughout history and into the present day, there are all kinds of things people do to try and perceive God. People take drugs, both for personal use and religious use. That may open up some people to the spiritual realm. I can't speak from experience in that area. People study sciences, from astrology and astronomy Biology, physics, and mathematics. If done correctly, that can show us things about God. Romans chapter 1 affirms that. People practice religions. This can be good or bad depending on what God, lowercase g, or uppercase g, someone is trying to discover. The Bible affirms that there are many so-called lowercase g gods. When I was in Uganda, I met a young man who was a Christian who and had chosen not to participate in his tribe's coming-of-age ceremony. He told me their tradition was to go up on a certain mountain where there was a giant snake, and there they performed some ritual. He said, I don't know if there's really a snake up there, but I know it's a demon. Not all religions lead us to a god we actually want to know. There are religious practices sometimes done outside of religion, such as meditation. When removed from their context, these practices are more likely just to tell us about ourselves. We do all these things and more in hopes of getting a glimpse of a God. Jesus promises more than a glimpse. When Jesus says, for they will see God, this is not a mere glimpse nor just observing The word means to stare for a long time with perception and comprehension. Jesus is saying that those who are clean understand God. This doesn't mean I will know everything about God, but I can have a level of understanding of the nature, character, and actions of God that someone who has not been cleaned from the inside by God will not have. 1 Corinthians 2:10 through 16 puts it this way. Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit, since the Spirit searches everything, even the depth of God. For who knows a person's thought except his Spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. We also speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit, because it is foolishness to him. He is not able to understand it, since it is evaluated spiritually. The spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What the Apostle Paul is saying here is that no one understands God or the things of God except God. In fact, without the Spirit of God, anything we see from God is unacceptable and seems foolish. But when God purifies me, I can now have the same perception of God that Jesus Christ has. People seeing God and the things of God as foolish happens all the time in society. Let's start with the obvious stuff. And this is not God as a being, but things of God. God says human beings are created in the image of God, male and female. The person without the spirit of God says, that is foolishness. Human beings are clumps of cells until we give them the rights of personhood. Until aliens show up that are smarter than us, then we are the top of the evolutionary pyramid. And gender is fluid. Those two points of view on the nature of humanity cannot both be true. If one is true, then the other is foolishness. Which one I say is foolishness depends on my perception of God. That's why it's so vital to receive the blessing to see see God. I can't truly understand who I am until I understand who God is. If my perception is that God doesn't exist, then what purpose do I have for existing? If my perception is that God is not involved in the affairs of the universe, the earth, and humanity, then why should I care about the universe, the earth, and humanity? If God is not righteous, moral, loving, and compassionate, then why should I be righteous, moral, loving, or compassionate? But if God is righteous, if God is love, if God is caring, if God is intrinsically pure, And if I'm created to be in God's image, that changes everything. That changes my self perception. That changes my perception of others. That changes my perception of the earth. That perception should affect every action and attitude that I have. The person who sees God is living in the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever shampooed your carpet? It changes your perspective of what is clean. You vacuum the carpet and it looks clean. Then you shampoo the carpet with soap, hot water, and high suction, and all this dirt comes out. Remember I said at the start of this message, for me, it's a win-win to be both pure in heart and to see God. But I also said, some people might not want either of those things. John 3, 19-21 explains it this way. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and avoids it, so that his deeds may not be exposed. But anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, so that his works may be shown to be accompanied by God. The fact is, sometimes we love our dirt. We're used to it. Everyone else is dirty too. My dirt may provide me with comfort, power, or pleasure. And sometimes that feels more important and easier than experiencing God. It's a disruptive thing to be purified. The invitation today is simple. Would you like to be cleaned by Jesus and gain a new perspective of God in your whole life? It's a wonderful thing, but it has to come with this awareness. When Jesus cleans me, the dirt comes off. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to clean you, or maybe you need to be refreshed. Either way, I invite you to pray with me from Psalm 17. Lord, hear my prayer. Let my cleansing come from you, for you see what is right. Take every evil from my heart. Keep my mouth and my path from the ways of the violent, the uncaring, and the arrogant. Display the wonder of your faithful love in my life. Let me see your righteous face and be satisfied with your presence. Jesus, on my own, I am dirty and cannot even understand the height, depth, and width of the love of God. But in faith, I ask you to purify me with the pure sacrifice made by you and your death on the cross. Fill me with your spirit and make me new so that I can walk in your path. Amen. If you meant that prayer, please let me know. I'd like to encourage you as you experience this new life of seeing God. And today I leave you with this blessing from Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me.